Good morning. This Sunday we have Exodus 19 and 20, the Ten Commandments. Obviously, the law is very prominent in this account. It's right there, the Ten Commandments, the law that God gave to his people and to us as well. But the gospel is very obviously there as well, although we might have to look for a little bit. Particularly, it comes in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, where the Lord says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Before giving them his law, God reminds them how he made them his people and saved them and delivered them from the land of Egypt. God's people are God's people because he has made them his people by his grace and mercy, just as he brought the people of, e the people of Israel out of Egypt before he gave them his law. We do not become God's people by following the law. God's law does not make us his people. But the opposite is true. We are God's people, therefore he has given us his law in order to protect us and to bless us. You could ask the kids, were you children first or did your parents give you rules first? And obviously they were children of their parents first and because they were children, their parents gave them rules to help protect them and to keep them safe. And the same thing is true about us. We do not become the children of God through his law, but because we are his children by his grace and mercy, therefore he gives us his law. We also see the gospel even in the law itself, because the law is a testament to God's love for us. In the law, he protects those blessings which he has given to us. And we're going to talk about that more when we get to the Ten Commandments, how each commandment is there in order to protect some blessing that God has given to us and is really a, a good thing for us. So the law is obviously very prominent, but uh, the gospel, God's love for us through Christ Jesus is certainly there as well. Some of the things that we want the, the kids to learn in our lesson today is that God is serious about sin and will punish it. Uh, that comes through very clearly uh, in both chapters. Uh, that sinners cannot come near to God on our own, that we must be washed and cleansed first. And of course, it happens through the blood of Christ. That we are his people by his grace and not through keeping the law. That even though we've failed to keep the Ten Commandments, Jesus has kept every one of them in our place. Uh, that's something we want to stress as well. And that the purpose of the Ten Commandments is to keep us safe and protect the gifts that God has given to us. So plenty to look at, think about, and learn in this lesson. I'm not going to read both the full two chapters, but we'll go through and talk about and summarize parts of it. First of all, Exodus chapter 19 is when God instructs the people how to prepare before he comes to talk to them. And they're supposed to prepare for three days, three days of cleansing before God appears to them. Not only that, but even after the three days of cleansing, they're supposed to make a a barrier around the mountain and no one is supposed to touch the mountain, not even the animals. Uh, it's not just the people, but not even the animals are supposed to touch that mountain lest uh, they die. And so only the particular people that God says can, can go through that barrier, Moses and Aaron and uh, some of the priests. But anyone else who comes near is is going to die. So you could talk about with this, this with the kids. Why do the people need three days of preparation because they are coming into God's presence. And uh, again, God is, it shows how serious God is about sin. It is, it's a reminder that we are sinners and that God is serious about sin and that sin needs to be cleansed away before we come into God's presence. Now, this, of course, relates to our worship. 
how do we prepare for worship? We ought to prepare just as seriously as the Israelites did. We, maybe not three days of cleansing, but worship is not something that we just show up for. That It's something that, that we should prepare for. We should be thinking about it even, even the day before. We should be, be thinking about the worship service that is coming up, uh, be, being preparing to meet God. The fear of God uh, is that knowledge of our sin and that recognition that sin is a bad thing and it can, cannot come into the presence of God. The fear of God is that uh, repentance of our sin and the recognition that God is going to punish sin. Now, thankfully, he's punished it through Jesus instead of punishing us as well. But we, we should take this to heart and we should prepare for worship just as the children of Israel did. I print the texts for every Sunday in the bulletin for the for the next Sunday is in the, in the previous Sunday's bulletin. And the day before, it's a not a bad idea to read the gospel lesson or one of them or all three of those texts and start thinking about it and talking about it the day before so you're you're already thinking about it when you come to church or i uh, talk about it in the car on the way to church that morning up other things that we do to prepare for church of course is to dress nicely uh dressing nicely is a reminder again that we're coming into the presence of god uh, when we dress nicely it forces us to think in that way about church and about the the person we're, we're about to meet uh, instead of just throwing on whatever happens to be lying on the ground now of course it's the heart that matters and not what we wear to church but the outward what we do on the outside often helps us to prepare our mind and our thoughts on the inside as well now god doesn't <clears throat> strike down people who come to church unprepared uh, like he said he was going to do for like he did at the time of the israelites if they came to the mountain however we do have a similar situation certain similar barriers that god sets up with regard to the lord's supper there we have first corinthians eleven twenty nine. paul reminds us for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the lord's body so just as the lord was very serious about the people being prepared to come before him when he appeared to them on Mount Sinai, so the Lord is very serious about people preparing to come and meet him in the Lord's Supper. It's not something that we should do lightly. And that's why our children do not receive the Lord's Supper until they have gone through confirmation class and are aware of the seriousness of their sin and, and are aware how to prepare uh, to come to the Lord's Supper. So there's definitely a connection there that just as the people were preparing for God's presence in, in Exodus chapter 19, when he appeared to them on Mount Sinai. So we ought to take seriously our preparation, not only for church, but especially for the Lord's Supper, uh, and come in, a, in, a, in the right manner. Nevertheless, we know that we are saved by Christ and not by the preparations we do for worship. Exodus chapter 20 begins with verses 1 and 2. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. As we mentioned before, God, before giving them the Ten Commandments, reminds the people of who he is and who they are to him. This is not just some random stranger who shows up on the mountain and gives them Ten Commandments that they have to follow. This is the God who delivered them, who saved them. This is the God who loves them. They are already his people. They become his people by his grace and mercy through his salvation, just as we became his people. John, we are gospel reading for Christmas Day, John 1, reminds us who are born not of the will of man nor of the will of the flesh, but of God, right? We become the children of God by the grace of God, by his desire to make us his children, not by keeping the law. Nevertheless, having become the children of God, now God gives us his law, 
which is a light to the blind to guide us in our life and help us to understand and appreciate the blessings he has given to us. Now we come to the actual Ten Commandments in Exodus uh, chapter 20, beginning with verse 3. We have the first commandment. And which e with each one of these commandments, there's a chart that I'll send along. I'll send a blank chart if you want to print it out and have the Sunday school kids fill it out. And I'll also send a filled out filled out cart, chart, sorry, but I'll, I'll talk about it here as well. Um, and there's there's really actually four things that we want to talk about with each commandment. You probably don't have time to talk in depth about all four things in, with every single commandment. So you can pick and choose how, how much you want to get into. But with each commandment, uh, there are four things we want to stress. First of all, what is it that God is protecting in this commandment? So each commandment, God is protecting something that should be precious to us. It's God understands it's precious enough that it's worth protecting. And so we ought to act, recognize that this gift is something that we ought to value as well. A lot of the gifts that God protects in Ten Commandments, we don't value the way we should. So what is it that God is protecting? What is the sin against this commandment? And then also, how did Jesus fulfill this commandment and how have we failed? So remember, our goal is to remind ourselves that we are sinners, but that Jesus uh, fulfilled the law for us and, and did it all for us so that we are saved through him. With the older kids, you could ask them if they can think of, well, can you think of an example of how Jesus kept this commandment perfectly? It gives them a chance to uh, show off their memory of the other stories that you've talked about with the younger kids. And they could maybe think of some of those stories as well. Uh, you could do it more or less with the younger kids as you have as you have time. But as I said, I'll, I'll send you the chart with with all that filled out. I'm going to talk about it now as well. Remember also that the first three commandments are what we call the first table of the law. Uh, commandments one through three have to do with our relationship with God and how we should act towards him. Commandments four through ten have to do with our relationship with our neighbor, how we should act towards one another. So the first table of law versus commandments one through three are all about God. The second table of law, commandments four through ten, are about our neighbor. First commandment, you shall have no other gods. And you notice that in the Bible that it goes on to describe how we shouldn't make any carved images. What is God protecting in the first commandment? He's protecting our relationship with, with him. Of course, that's something that we should value. The sin against the first commandment is idolatry, the worship of false gods. How have we failed in this? We've probably never bowed down to worship Zeus or Thor or any of these other gods. But we haven't always put God first in our life. The first commandment not only stresses that Jehovah is our God, but it's also stressed that he should be first in our life above all other things. And we often put other things above him and put other things first in our life rather than putting God first. How did Jesus fulfill that commandment? You can see that in the story of when Jesus was a boy and he went to Jerusalem and he was there worshiping in, or he was there in the temple uh, studying God's word. He put the work of his father in heaven first uh, before earthly pleasures you know he wasn't out fishing or playing video games but he took seriously that relationship with god his father second commandment you shall not take the name of the lord your god in vain what is god protecting uh, he's protecting his name 
That also is a precious gift to us. It's through his name that we get to know him. It's through his name that he blesses us. It's by believing in his name that we are saved. His name is a precious gift to us. We can call him by name and pray to him and thank him and worship him because we have his name. And that's something that God wants to protect. The sin against the second commandment is blasphemy, speaking badly about God or misusing his name. How have we, we failed in this commandment? Every time that we uh, fail to treasure his name and keep it holy and honor it, every time we use his name in a vain or empty way, we hit our thumb with a hammer and we uh, say Jesus Christ and we, we're using the name and not thinking about it, we're not actually calling on him, but we're just using it in an empty way, that's a sin against the second commandment. How did Jesus fulfill this commandment? The story of Nicodemus is a good example of Jesus using God's name to share God with other people and, and preach God's word. Every time Jesus preached God's word and his truth or purity, he was using God's name correctly uh, instead of misusing it or abusing it. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God is protecting his word in this commandment. He wants us to read and study his word and learn from it and find rest in it. He wants us to worship him. He wants us to come to him, not just weekly, weekly for sure, but also every day to find that rest that he offers for us. That's a, a, His word is a precious gift by which we establish that relationship with him. The sin against the third commandment is despising God's word. How do we break this commandment? Uh, every time we put other things in life ahead of the worship of God. Every time we think that other things are more important than coming to church, than studying God's word, uh, we think that there's something that we have to do that's so important that we can't begin the day with prayer or something that's so important that we can't end the day with prayer and with that worship of God, we're breaking God's word. How did Jesus fulfill this commandment? Many times we see that Jesus went went on the, up the mountain to be alone in order to pray and how he would spend the whole night in prayer. So he valued that time with his father and that rest that he received through studying God's word and through prayer to God. Fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. God is protecting authority, all authority, not just the authority of our parents, but all authority he's protecting. Authority is a wonderful gift from God. It creates order. We often think of authority as a bad thing. I don't want to be under authority, but authority is from God. Chaos and every man for himself, that's from Satan and from devil. Sometimes we think of freedom as uh, I, I should be free to do whatever I want and no one should have authority over me. But that is not the way that God works. God works through order and authority. And we see even in heaven that even among the angels, there is order and authority. The angels who are confirmed in bliss and perfect and, and do not sin still have order and authority. Now, of course, man in our sinfulness very often abuses the authority that's been given to him. And many people who have authority use it to do bad and evil things. But that isn't a reflection on the fact that authority is evil, but how man abuses God's gifts. So God protects authority. He wants us to honor and respect it, even if people are misusing it. That's not an excuse for us to be disrespectful towards authority. The sin against authority is rebellion, of course. Uh, we 
disobey this commandment every time we disobey our parents or even when we think about disobeying or getting angry at them because of, of something they've told us to do. And how did Jesus fulfill this commandment? Well, when his parents came and found him in Jerusalem, the Bible says he went home and he was subject to them. So even Jesus, who was perfect, who is God, who was perfect and was subject to his earthly parents, even though they probably made mistakes, that didn't change the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, was still subject to them because they were his parents. Fifth commandment, you shall not murder. Obviously, God is protecting our life, our body, a very precious gift from him. The sin against it is murder. We probably have never murdered anybody, but we sin against this commandment whenever we think hateful things about other people and want them to be hurt because they did something bad to us. How did Jesus fulfill this commandment? He always helped. Not only did he not murder, but he always went out of his way to help people. And uh, you can think of any of the times when he healed or raised someone from the dead or cast out demons, any of the times when he stopped in his busy life in order to, to help out people with their, with their body and their life uh, in order to protect it. You shall not commit adultery, sixth commandment. God is protecting marriage, another wonderful gift from him. We sin against it. The sin against it is adultery or fornication. But of course, we sin against it whenever we think lustful thoughts. Uh, that might be, this might be a commandment. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to get into too much with the younger kids, but uh, some of the older kids you could more so. Jesus, again, kept this commandment perfectly, not only never thinking any sinful or lustful thoughts, but he himself honoring the institution of marriage. And we see that in the, in the story of the water and the wine, the wedding feast at Canaan. He honored that wedding fest and blessed it with his presence and with his blessing as well. The seventh commandment, you shall not steal. God protects our property. We sin against this commandment whenever we take something that does not belong to us. Or whenever, indeed, we, we want to take something. Or even if we trick somebody into giving us something that does not belong to us. Uh, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is a good example of Jesus keeping this commandment. Not only not stealing and taking from other people, but helping them out, giving them what they need, giving them their daily bread in, in that account as well. Eighth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. God is protecting our reputation. What others think about us is a very precious gift to have a good reputation. God, the sin against this commandment is lying. Anytime we speak badly about other people, gossip, it, we are failing to keep this commandment. Even if what we're saying is true, if it is a negative thing about somebody else, it is not something that we should be talking about. Uh, but we should go and talk to them about it and not spread it around. We see Jesus keeping this commandment in the way that he talked about the soldiers who nailed him to the cross. He didn't get angry and criticize or talk about them behind his back, but he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing, right? And then finally, ninth and tenth commandment, you shall not covet. The difference between the ninth and the tenth commandment is the ninth commandment has to do with things. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or things. The Tenth Commandment has to do with living things. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, man, servant, maid, servant, ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. But they're basically both talking about coveting. And so what is God protecting in this commandment? He's protecting even our thoughts, our contentment. Contentment is a very 
precious gift. Those who learn contentment have a much happier life than those who are always upset about what they don't have. And God wants to protect that contentment even in our hearts and in our thoughts. We sin against this commandment every time we are discontent with the gifts that God has given to us. And we think that what God has given us is not enough and we, we deserve something else. We see Jesus fulfilling this commandment. He was always content with what he had. Uh, even though he was the son of God, he didn't feel like he needed to have a palace and servants. But he wandered through Galilee and Judea, sleeping outside, and was content with the clothes that God provided for him and whatever food that he received. These Ten Commandments show us very clearly that we are sinners, but they also show us very clearly that God loves us and the wonderful gifts that he gives to us despite our sin, and they also remind us how Jesus came to die for us. The result of the Ten Commandments is that the people are filled with fear. God speaks to them from the mountain and they cannot bear it because they know how sinful they are. And so they plead with Moses that he talks to God and tell them what God says because they cannot bear to hear God's voice anymore. And God in his grace and his mercy did that not only for them, but for us as well. God has not spoken to us on a mountaintop filled with fire and lightning so that we feel like we have to be afraid of him and can't approach him, but instead he has spoken to us through his son in a way that we can accept and bear to hear without being filled with that kind of dreadful fear that would make us uh, afraid to even, even come to church. And so we have the, his word, which comes to us in a simple, small way. We remember the account of Elijah. In the life of Elijah, God describes his word as a still, small voice. That's a voice of love coming from our dear father rather than a voice of thunder and lightning booming at us from the sky. And what a wonderful God we have that he comes to us in this way. And he comes to, you can remind the children, he's coming to them in that way right now as you, the Sunday school teachers, are teaching them. That's God coming to them through his word, through you, rather than with thunders and lightnings from sky. Now, there is a time when God's voice will boom from the sky again. And so if we neglect that quiet voice of his word, if we refuse to listen when he talks to us through his word and through his pastors and teachers, then unfortunately on the day of judgment, we're going to hear that great mighty booming and that thundering voice to our judgment. But we should listen now to that quiet, still small voice and receive with gladness the love God has shown us in his word. The Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson.